This is the Eastside Confectionery Records podcast. Each month, Eastside Confectionery Records artists gather to talk about music and songs and the artists that create them. Now here is your host, Eric Brombacker. All right, welcome. Welcome to the Eastside Confectionery Records podcast. I'm your host, Eric Brombacker. Uh, today we're doing a, a special episode and we are talking to the Sin City Boys. The uh, latest artists to uh, join the East Side label. So congratulations and welcome, guys. Hey, thanks, Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey, guys. So I've got uh, I've got Mr. Kevin Jollymore, uh, lead singer, songwriter, guitarist for the Sin City Boys, and I've also got uh, Mr. Uh, Gerard Potma, the lead guitarist and sometimes harmony singer for the uh, Sin City Boys. And 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 I I would say you know this really is the core of the band. Uh, you guys have been through a lot of changes, but the one constant over the last 25 years and i'll repeat that 25 years over the last 25 years it's it's always been kevin and gerard and 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 the cast of characters uh, surrounding you so uh, congratulations on 25 great years of rock and roll guys yeah thanks uh, i was trying to uh, come up with uh, a list of uh, people that had played either a gig with us at least a gig and it's up there around 15 i think um it's not quite spinal tapian numbers yet but uh, yeah well, we still I mean, got a couple months to go yeah right on yeah we'll try, try and get it up to 15 just to kind of get get some nice round numbers going there we were so. playing uh, Spinal Tap Trivia at the, the bar the other night and uh, can you remember their first drummer what their first drummer's name was no Stumpy Peeps Stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a nice. big tall geezer <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He's a big tall guy. Stumpy. Yeah. Stumpy. And of course, he disappeared with an internal combustion. I think he was like the that. gardening accident. The gardening accident. Yeah. It's a bizarre gardening accident. It wasn't just like getting, I don't think it was a rake. It was, sounded a little more like a some kind of mulcher or something. <laughs> well, uh, what was that movie, Fargo? Fargo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they used the mulcher. That's right. So listen, I mean, we got, we got a lot. Uh, a lot of stories to tell and a lot of stories that I want to learn about. So, I mean, we'll start, like most stories do, we'll start at the beginning. So, how did uh, how did you guys meet and how did the Sin City Boys come about? Let's start with Gerard. Yeah. Uh, I was living at college in Euclid and it was about 91. And much to my surprise, I came home one Saturday morning from a gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was coming back from Montreal and it was 8 in the morning and the bandmates I was playing with dropped me off in front of my place. And I stumbled into my variety store across the street. And much to my surprise, there was Kevin, who I'd seen in the past because we'd always kind of uh, not stumbled into each other, but always seen each other in these situations. And being that it was eight in the morning on a Saturday and Kevin was basically still in his uh, sleeping clothes, he saw me and I kind of saw him and I said, what are you doing in my variety store? And then he looked at me and goes, what are you doing in my neighborhood? And then we started talking and... He was asking me if I was still playing and we were, and he literally lived across the street, kitty corner. Yeah. Kevin lived kitty corner for me. I lived on the Northwest corner and Kevin lived on the Southeast corner. And this was in 91. And then he was asking me if I was still playing and I wasn't happy with the band I was in at the time. And then he literally said, well, why don't you come on over? And since it was across the street, I went over and then uh, we were shooting the shit and talking about music and he was talking songs and wanted to get a band. And I remember staring at this picture that he had that was autographed to him from Ted Kennedy. And it said to my, my pal, Kevin, from Ted Kennedy. And I said to Kevin, I said, wow. I said, you met Ted Kennedy? He goes, yes. That's a whole other story. Anyways, and so we, we had a good time laughing and talking and I remember going back and my life was going through a bit of a more interesting stage at the time and uh for some reason i wasn't very happy in a lot of the bands i played with because they are always very serious but the songs never seemed to match the seriousness and then when i ended up playing with kevin it was it was serious but the songs i liked and i found that i could add to what he wanted to do mm-hmm. so it it worked from kind of the start Right, I Maybe. think is a good way to put it. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, you could go so far as to say, you know, if I could paraphrase what you're just telling me, I mean, for you, it's about the music, and Kevin had the music that was going to make you. He had so, the songs, yeah, and it was always about the songs with me because yeah. I I wasn't used to somebody who just had these songs, and he turned me on to the whole country 
and the bluegrass and the rockabilly, which I had always kind of dabbled in, mm -hmm. but his songs had all that stuff. So to me, it was a completely different world. So I just thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I always had stuff like that in my collection, but this was like, oh, this is like, I'm going to play it. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that was like really cool. Interesting. Do you want my version now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, my version t happens about ten years. I love, I love how so this is, I love how you call it your version because I was going to make the observation earlier that you know Gerard, when he met you, it was immediately contentious. What are you doing in my store? Yeah, that's what right. What are you doing in my neighborhood? That freaked and me even, out. Even twenty five years later, Kevin's like, okay, well, do you want to hear my version? Well, my, my yeah, my, no, that 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 so was very accurate. Changed. No, that so was very accurate. That was very accurate. Eight I, I don't know. I don't know how to lie, so it's impossible. Yeah. Eight o'clock meeting at the corner store. That was very uh, extremely yeah. accurate. Yeah. But my um, the prelude to that was when I moved to Toronto in eighty two. I used to busk on Young Street. I had my guitar, whatever, made enough money for smokes and a beer, something to eat. And I ran into these guys in a band called The Dice. It, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't Gerard at the time. It was nope. Gary Lima and uh, Hayden and a guy named Trevor. And anyways, they used to play, long story short, they played this place called Frankenstein's up at uh, Dundas and uh, above Remington's uh, strip bar. Above the Bermuda, Bermuda strip the Bermuda, bar. Right? Yeah, the Bermuda yeah, town. Now, now it's Remington's Men of Steel. How do I know that? Well. <laughs> I'm one of the men of steel, okay. Uh, and they asked him if I would open for them that night because they were doing a gig in Hamilton or something like that. So I, I did. I just did an acoustic thing. And then I started becoming a fan of that band, The Dice. And then in short order, Gerard uh, joined them. I said, well, that guy's making this band so much better. And I, that's when I thought, oh, this, this guy's a really good player. And someday I would like to see if he wanted to want to put a band together. And I had always had bands under my name. And one of those... Uh, Kevin Jollymore bands, there was probably four or five of them, came to an end around 1990, just because it wasn't mm -hmm. any big deal. But I had always been playing with pretty good guitar players, and I thought, well, maybe I'll put a band together this time, not under my name, just a band with a band name and people contributing and, and uh, committing. Mm -hmm. So Jarb was the first piece of the puzzle. And uh, I think when we, got, uh, when we just started putting, putting some of my songs, assembling some of my songs together in his basement studio, it, it started feeling and sounding so much better than I'd been able to do with anybody else that I mm -hmm. thought, okay, this has got some, some kind of, some legs. And then when other people came and said, you know, for example, Hayden said, man, you guys together is better than the two of you separate. And yeah. This is something that was coming from someone that didn't owe us anything. I thought, okay, well, maybe we are onto something mm -hmm. musical. Mm -hmm. And it was An really Angel, fun I'm too. home. Yeah. Yeah. Angel, I'm home. So he showed up at my place when I just moved and I'd moved from the neighborhood and I said, why don't you come over? Cause we had just started kind of, I was in, the, cause I, we kind of put it on the back burner and then we kind of kept seeing each other and talking about it and I'd quit the band and I'd moved. And then he said, well, come on, let's do something. I said, okay, I, well, I got my little Porter studio in the basement. And so he came in and the first thing we ever, we ever worked on was Angel I'm Home. Yeah. And we did it in my basement. Kevin had the song. And then I had a drum machine and we just knocked it off in about an hour and a half, two hours, everything, the ideas, everything, just boom, it all happened. I was flabbergasted because I'd never done that before ever with anybody. Right. And he had the song and he just said, we'll just play. And so I just did what I did. He goes, that's great. So we just went boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then a buddy of mine came over, Steve McKenna. That's right. And Steve, I played with in a, in a, in a couple of bands and I said, Hey, just listen to this real quick. And I played him Angel I'm Home. And he goes, this is awesome. And he didn't have to say nothing. You know, most people go, yeah, that's good. He goes, no, he goes, this is awesome. So I said, we're on the right path. So then we just kept going on with songs. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yep. Got some players. Yeah. Got some players. Just, and you know, I think we might have farted around rehearsing or, or, or trying to figure out um, direction of how to do this. And then all of a sudden gigs started happening. I said, well, screw all that planning. I mean, just, yeah. Remember we Let's started doing the red line every Thursday night? Oh yeah, because you were working yeah. there. Yeah. And we just started playing. Yeah. We started and doing you a being game. a little bit of the hustler, there was other stuff that would just, you know, cause Kevin was always, he's the guy. Yeah. And so as long as I always thought if we had a good band behind him, then he had kind of carte blanche as long as the guys were pretty good. Mm -hmm. so that was kind of what I thought yeah and so that's how when Jim and Hayden kind of stumbled in because they were both great players right and right. then uh, it kind of worked out pretty good hi Jesse how are you hi, hi Jesse hey anyway so that that's kind of what happened there 
And nice. so I remember we would, in the beginning, we had a bunch of originals, and then we would be just we would just play, and yeah. we would jam almost like cream like, and Kevin would just yeah, kind of right. rap on top. Yeah, yeah. Because Hayden and Jim could do that, and mm -hmm. I thought I was pretty partial to being a pretty good player. That and Jim, I remember returning <coughs> me sometimes. He goes, "We're just playing, right?" While we're playing live, like we're jamming, but That's the band true. was ferocious. Yeah. yeah. It and was I, ferocious, yeah. ferocious band. It's always been a ferocious band. Yeah. I always, I always felt sorry for people that come, that came into the band because I was going, <coughs> well, I hope that they'll be able to handle the, the chaos, hmm. that's up front. Mm -hmm. Well, that controlled chaos. But I think that's, I think that's what, um, that's what rock and roll, is, and that's what it should be about. Is it ain't easy getting there. No, but no. when you can, when you can find your way to that place, and, uh, and. Uh, you know, go for lightning in a bottle. Take chances. Go without a net, and, and it's not easy. No, no, no. I mean, and it has to do with the songs again. You know, yeah. I don't want to talk too much, but it's true. It's just like I remember when we did the first album, and Bob played with us, and we went and basically did a, did some quick um, pre production, mm -hmm. and but the songs were there. Mm -hmm. And I remember one night, it was just it was unbelievable. It's just like been so long, Temptation Road, half a chance, just bang 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 Kevin said I got this song and we went in there and, and Bob had the wherewithal to listen to us to make it make it happen and Ronnie was playing bass with us and right. Ronnie had great bass lines great bass lines yeah. I always thought Ronnie's bass lines were solid nothing against Anthony I love Anthony Anthony's great too but I remember it was, I just remember a couple times doing those things going it's just coming it's just like bang 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 yeah he's talking about Ronnie as a party rock and roll legend uh, one of the as a party brothers uh, the other one being Charlie, and they played with everybody from Handsome Ned to the Vile Tones to, to a band I had together with uh, a guy named Donnie Donahue. Uh, Great guitar player. Otherwise known as Donnie Cartwright of the Razorbacks. We moved up here from Halifax together. And uh, I knew Ronnie from those different bands. And then uh, when uh, when we were looking for a bass player, I just thought, maybe I'll give this guy Ronnie a call because he, he knows the alt-country yeah. kind of scene enough, and he's got a great pedigree. And he looks good. And and he, he looked great, and he was a really great guy to play with. He, he basically retired from playing live in like 2000. He doesn't uh, do it anymore, which is all cool with me. Yeah. Because that's when we ran into, well, I had Cranberry in, in the back pocket for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, because we had played with Cranberry before, right? That's right. Cranberry being Anthony Amodio, yeah, Anthony the Amodio. bass player. Yeah, yeah. He prefers <laughs> Cranberry, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with Skeets. Skeets, Skeets came. Skeets came Skeets a long the early time days ago. Too. Yeah, he was there back in the early '90s at the Red Lion. That's how yeah. I met Skeets. Yeah, that's mm. right. I remember Skeets yeah. was. A met, I met Skeets with yeah. the, at a Kevin gig because Kevin and or Jim dragged him in. So he, it's just weird. It's just the, the, the yeah, it all kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I mean the, uh, the fumbling into each other, I like to call well, it. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? There's a real community, and we're all older uh, yeah. other than you, Eric. But we're all in our in our fifties, and we've grown up on the same kind of music, and we've all kind of found each other for a while now. I mean, there's guys like uh, there's there's uh, well, help me out here, Skeets. You know, yeah. there's Jim. There's all these guys we played with. There's Hayden. you and me. There's Hayden. There's there's um. Well, Teddy Bobaconte, Fury Teddy and Fury, you know yeah. all these guys that and we've been hanging around Toronto Gideon you know we've been hanging around Toronto for such a long time that we've all bumped into each other such a such a, a number of times and we all like the same kind of music we're all rock and roll yeah with the best of them and we love the guitars you know yeah, and yeah. we like to play live so you know you invariably you bump into these guys like that's why when, when we you're talking about when we played with Skeets I always thought and he's an awesome singer, by the way. But I also thought this guy would be uh, a cool guy to have in a band because he showed up. I remember the first gig, he showed up with the red jacket from uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, James Dean. And he James wasn't announcing it or anything. Like, no, hey, that's just what kinda, he does. Yeah, he just kind of had to know. Oh, that's the Rebel Without a Cause Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the, way, the red windbreaker. Yeah, and I'm sure we've all had, our, well, I don't know about you again, but I mean, <laughs> the James Dean thing was such a, a, a big thing when I was a teenager. And it has something to do with rock and roll, even though we died in 55. Yeah, he's almost like the original rock and roll rock icon. Yeah, you know? right, right. Because I mean, Elvis borrowed so much from James Dean. Right, he did. Right, interesting. Yeah, neat. So anyway, we all found each other. Yeah. I've always been. I've always managed to play with with really good uh, guitar players and everything else in the band. I kind of let Gerard look after, but I'm talking about Donnie Cartwright, a great player, and Paul Pagat. I'm not sure if you know him. No. Paul played with me in 1990, and he was like. I think he was probably 19, 18 or 19 years old. And now he's got his, he's playing with Jeff Beck. 
He's playing with Brian wow. Setzer. He's got his own structural line of rockabilly guitar DVDs. He's a spokesman for Gretsch. Right. He goes all over. He played with, uh, who's he, a big guy? He played with Les Paul. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, like, he's around. Some heavy hitters, yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Dylan's kid, Jacob Dylan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. In, yeah, right on. Right on. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. So I've been blessed with that. Yeah, and Gerard's. Gerard, the quintessential. <laughs> yeah, you know what though, Gerard, man, I've I've seen a lot of live music, and you're the you're the quintessential guitar rock and roll. He's the king of twang. Rock and roll guitar. I try. Like, yeah, man. Like I try when people. Well, I tell people, I go, somebody's got to do it. Huh. There's just there's just nobody doing it. It's just like I, I wish there was. Like you know, like I I when I see somebody that's amazing, and I I go, that's that blows me away, and I'm always. The people I love, it's like Kevin too, the stuff that we love, yeah. like get our yayas off, literally the stones, but that type of ilk of the players or the Jimmy Pages or the people that sold millions of records were number one. Those are the people I've always looked up to. And when even with playing with Kevin, I, I always used to think, well, that's got that kind of bend to it. Or maybe like, you know, the way Jimmy Page would play Rockabilly or Jeff Beck. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. always, you know. We used to, I used to laugh because Kevin would come up with the, he used to have a rockabilly song. And I'd always be in the back of my mind go, what am I going to do with this? And I'd go, well, you were just listening to Jeff Beck and the the Playboys, whatever that was, yeah, the yeah, Gene right. Vincent thing. And I was listening to it and I was going, I've never heard this type of crazy guitar playing. And he was doing Cliff um, Gallup yeah. verbatim. And I was like pulling off some of those licks. And I was like putting them in the songs. Kevin would go, where'd you get that from? And I go, well, you know, I just kind of made it Yeah, up. I just made it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. They but anyways, do, great, yeah. but the great, song, great songs mm -hmm. are going to lend themselves hopefully to great performances. And it always comes back to the songs. The songs are great. The arrangements are always good. Yeah. There's always room. And it's tough because sometimes we always worry about are we putting too much into it, you know? But it's always been pretty good. The last well, we only have the four too. instruments. So yeah. there's never, you know, well, there has yeah. been a couple other things on, on the albums and stuff like that. But, but here and there, but mostly, primarily, mostly the songs it's a are guitar band, you know? Yeah, yeah. A guitar band was singing, you know? That's yeah. singing that sounds good, you know? I mean, it's a good sound. I, I, I tell you, I think I really honestly think that I was getting into a. Uh, I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of yes men before I met Gerard, but uh, the thing I like about Gerard was that I had to keep. I, I had to up my game a little bit. Mm. And scrape away anything that really wasn't there for a reason, yeah. and it's got to be the best I can do. And it's been uh, there's been failures, of course, but there's also been stuff that's worked. Yeah, you know because you, you got to work at it. And yeah. um, the proof of that is your best your new song is probably much better than your very first song. You know there is a trajectory. Yeah, you hope there is. But yeah. I I cut yeah. like I'm tech I, I'm looking at say if I write ten songs or have ten song ideas, like one of them might get to the band. And, right. Yeah. Right. Honestly, I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah, you go, yeah, that's a sure. song. Yeah. yeah, great. I just read, I just wrote People Get Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's like you guys have that kind of a relationship where you're always trying to impress the other guy a little bit, you know, or you feel uh, not so much impressed. Maybe that's the wrong word, but... Well, it's the real you deal. Wanna, you want to live up to... You, you, you want to... You want to do yourself justice, but you also want to. You don't want to present a song to Gerard that you think he's not going to be impressed by, right. and he, you, in turn, don't Gerard. You don't want to put a lick to that song that isn't going to do the song justice in some way. So it's like sometimes this... it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes right. you we we've wrestled with stuff, mm -hmm. but most of the times, Kevin's always been very smart because. He comes up with great ideas and a classic example, a couple of them are like Temptation Road and then like the Guns of El Chupacabra because mm. he had the songs basically in his head done. And I remembered he had the riff and I would just kind of clean it up a bit. Mm. And I remember that distinctly with Temptation Road. He had it. It was there. And I remember I just kind of went, well, I'm just going to clean it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. He goes, that's perfect. And yeah. I remember the same thing with Guns of El Chupacabra. He had the riff. Mm -hmm. Like he had the down, da 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 And I laughed to be able to, because he likes having, he's got that that whole Mexican, he loves that stuff. And he's got, mm. we've got a few songs like that. And I remember laughing about it. And then I remember was I was listening to, um, I remember Pulp Fiction was out and the whole Dick Dale thing. And we used to do, what was the name of that song? Perfidia? Not Perfidio, but the one off. No, the one off. We used to do Pipeline, but... Um, do, 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 like Miser Lou. And Miser so I remember yeah. thinking, Miser Lou. And then I, we did it as... The, and Kevin would just laugh because I just drenched the thing in reverb and there was the riff. And then Kevin would do the whole thing about 
And I was the only one who understood the title of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else got it. Yeah. The Guns of El Chupacabra. I had just seen that episode of uh, The X-Files. Right. Yeah. The Chupacabra. He was big in the 90s, man. Oh, the Chupacabra. That's right. He had a good run. That crazy devil The goat. The goat goat devil. Oh, yeah. Devil. And so Kevin said, I got this great idea for a song. And I said, I said, El Chupacabra. I said, I just watched The X-Files last night. We're like, what were you watching? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And that that song was actually uh, for a soundtrack to a movie. It became the theme to a movie for a guy that uh, found us uh, on the net back in the early days of the of the web. Wow, the web. We had a a website. Back then, it used to be called the Information Superhighway, by the way. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Not just a highway. It was a superhighway. It was a superhighway? Yeah. I think it's a little bit more than a highway now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like... It's, well, I mean, it's, it's life. It's powerful, man. It got Trump elected. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyways. So yeah, anyway, that that song came out of a, a guy that yeah. found us on the on the web. He downloaded a couple songs. He says, "Oh, I want to put this in." He actually phoned me. Phoned me out of the blue. I had my phone number on the website, and uh, it was this guy calling from L.A. and he said, "I really like your band, and I want to put one of your songs in a new movie I'm doing, and he, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you something in the mail." I said, "Okay." So he sent me all these DVDs. And uh, he had a couple songs that were uh, so, uh, films that were B movie successes. Uh, he worked with Trauma Films that did uh, right. Toxic Avenger. Okay. And he did, but the song, he wanted to use one of our songs in a movie called Lingerie Kickboxer. <laughs> and I said, okay, you can use, you can use that, but, but uh, tell me what else you got going on. He said, I got this movie that's got all these chupacabras in it and all this other stuff. I'm thinking of calling it this. And I said, how about if I write a song for your movie? Then you won't have to. You know, it'll be something uh, tailored. Great, you'll do that? Yeah, sure. So I did, and then uh, it's, it's the theme from the movie, The Guns of El Chupacabra, which is worth a, look, uh, worth a look if you can find it online. It's, it's there. It's really worth a look. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, in the future, futuristic um, movie about these uh, vigilantes that are hunting down all these chupacabras and they they had such a minimal budget that um, the monsters all have like hockey uh, shoulder pads and, and shin pads on that are like spray painted gold or silver and like <laughs> encrusted with jewelry and stuff like that. But you can say that's like it. That's a CCM. <laughs> like those are hockey <laughs> shoulder pads and like hockey gloves with the fingers cut out and stuff. But, right, but right. in the southern states, they don't know what that. They, they wow, that, that looks yeah. cool. So they thought it was a chupacabra. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> That was right a lot on. of fun. That was a lot of fun. I like to get um, approval from uh, independent people that don't owe you anything. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's fun yeah. playing the graffitis. We only get, well, we get like 45, 50 people there when it's stuffed, but they all like the band. Yeah. They all want to see what's going to happen sure. that day. I want to see what's going to happen that day. Yeah. I'm sure the other guys in the band, uh, you know, it's never really that planned out, but we got some really good fans that aren't there because they're doing us a favor. Right. Know? They're there because. They make a point of being there because they yeah. want to see what's going to happen that day. They want to hear what's going to happen, yeah. and they want to just yeah. have a three-hour rock and roll hit. Yeah, which is that's that is what it is. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, it, it I've is. been to it a lot a of shows, and, and it's a rock and roll. It's a rock vibe, and roll show, and that's know. why I've been a fan for fifteen yeah. years. Yeah, you know, and that's why I go out to the shows. It's a, it's a rock and roll adventure every yeah. time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what's fun about it. You know, not yeah. trying to make it, not trying to do this, not trying to be trying to be good. Yeah. But just trying to create that moment when rock and roll happens. Yeah. And you can feel it when it happens. And you look out and people are going, this is awesome. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're having a good time. And people are going like, I'll be here next month. Yeah. You know? You're walking a tightrope because we're so used to playing there that we're, it's just, it's, we're lucky that Steve lets us basically, as Paul Martin says, play in his sandbox. Mm-hmm. So he just lets us do what we want, and that's not easy because nobody usually lets you do what they want. They always, mm-hmm. you know. There's so, a few venues in town that that let yeah. you do that. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few. Yeah, well, that's, usually, that's usually where you find the great art. As soon as you yeah. start putting, you know, controls on it, because it's it's take it. Yeah. Uh, we are, I can't even name how many bars I've ever played in my life where it's like, you know, can you turn down? It's like I'm going. Did this happen to Hendrix? Did this happen to the Who? Ah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I go, like, we just want to do what we do. It's like, yeah. deal with it. And it's like, so Steve's lucky enough to just just let us do what our thing yeah. is. And it works great. And you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and it's yeah, funny because, I mean, the big story in Toronto these days is the lamenting of all these live music venues 
that are either closing or 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 moving or throwing yeah. their arms up in the air and saying we, this is this is not happening. Well, you know, I've I've been working as a bartender in this town for thirty years as well, and uh, you know, when you're playing a bar that needs to have one hundred and fifty people in there drinking, well, then you're really there to sell beer. You know, it's good to be uh, an adequate soundtrack to it, but you know, when you throw that in there, and when a bar owner or or owners are basically hoping that a band brings a hundred people out to their gig so they can make money. It creates a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. It creates a lot of anxiety. Right. It creates, you're almost building up for a, a, a fall mm-hmm. because it's never going to be good enough. And it's a soul destroyer too, because you're going to have to do what, like Gerard said, more of what the owner wants than what you really right, want you know right. well then you get and then there's a slippery slope too then you get into well maybe i should play more cover songs yeah then you're doing mustang Sally and brown right. Night girl right exactly but but i'll tell you what the second part of my thought was that i know of a lot of places in toronto that are successful live music venues mm-hmm. they're generally smaller but like gerard said and like like i know you play some of these places eric like mm-hmm. Castro's. Castro's I mean, is one of them. They let Graffiti's the bands do yeah. what they do. Mm-hmm. Graffiti's is a perfect example. Not yeah. My Dog and Parkdale. There's probably 10 or 15 I can think of. Yeah. It's not least Palace where you have to have 350 people to make right. sense. Right. But that's cool. They get the they get good bands in there that yeah. are that are name bands. But I'm talking about the local music scene. Well, you got to pick your spots. And if right. you can get 50 people out, don't go book yourself into a 175-person right. venue because everybody's going to be... Well, you know, and what's good about some of the better venues, you know, like Castro's, for example, is they have their own crowd because yeah. they consistently have good yeah, they're live discerning, music. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so yeah. you can go there and focus on putting on a good show mm-hmm. instead of worrying about, oh, my God, am I going to fill the place? Yeah. Right? And then your main concern is filling the place and not putting on a good show. Good evening, ladies and chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, there's... One of my friends made the joke. I mean, it's interesting, and, and 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 I can understand, you know, the media and why people are throwing their, you know, are, are getting concerned of, you know, these venues that are closing. And I'm not going to name any of these venues, but one of my friends kind of summarized it quite nicely. He said, "Oh, it's a real shame. There's not going to be any places where we can play for free anymore." <laughs> yeah. Right. So some of these places that are falling apart, well, they were big back in the '50s and '60s and '70s and maybe even the '80s. And now they're hanging on to that legacy and they're expecting, and, and there are bands that do it. They, they don't pay the bands, but then, you know, you get to say, oh, geez, I played at the Silver Dollar Room. Right, yeah. Right? Well, things change too. I mean, I don't know what yeah. everybody's business equation is. I mean, like yeah. I said, I've been bartending for 30 years. I've bartended at 15, 20 places that have closed. Yeah. It's not because the band was, a lot of places that had no music. But just, yeah. There's a life, uh, uh, there's a life that, nothing, yeah, nothing, la- nothing lasts forever. Nothing, uh-huh. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. And, you know, you gotta, and I think, you know, it's back to something you said early on uh, in this discussion, Gerard, or intimated, was, is it, you know, it, I think making art really has to be about the <coughs> art, and it has to be about the music. If you can sell it, great. Yeah, but it has to be about the music, first and foremost. Well, you, you hope it would be, and then you hope that, I've, I said to Kevin, I, I used to be so... I used to be so frustrated playing with all these people who were trying to grab the the brass the, ring. The brass ring. And yeah. I played with a lot of people. Who, I'm not going to name any names, but yeah. that was the thing. Oh, we got the management. Oh, we're going to be doing this. Oh, we're going to be right. doing that. That's how I came to Toronto. I came to Toronto. I was 21. First thing I got into, the band was signed to a major record deal. Mm-hmm. It didn't last long. Why didn't it last long? And you got to start asking questions. Well, what happened? Well, was the stuff maybe not good enough? Was there problems with the management? This is 20, I'm 21, you know, and I'm, I'm witnessing this. And all of a sudden we get to this other side. And I used to say to Kevin, I used to go, you know, I, I, I remember saying this verbatim. I'd be happy if a hundred people I did not know came out and saw the band. And ironically enough, he would look, tell me sometimes at graffitis and we would go in and we would walk in the place and be jammed with 50 people. And I didn't know any of these people before we played. And Kevin go, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we're lucky we stumbled into graffiti's. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was a one-off originally. A yeah. gig that we were going to do was just just get back together and play some songs and 
I was at that show, by the way. Were you there? I yeah, was there. and, and there was there. a few other people that I, they might have been thinking it was somebody else that weekend because uh, Steve, the proprietor, has a different band every Saturday, and it's there's a good community of people that go yeah. and support. I the actually, Saturday matinee. I was there because I thought there was another band, like and my John dad Bora or something. Yeah, like that. and then my dad was in town, and yeah. I, I, t- I took my dad. I was like, yeah, we'll go see this band. They're great. And then I came up, and I was like, Who's us? Sin City Boys. Oh, what the fuck? Who are these yeah. guys? I'm like, oh, let's just go in anyways. Yeah, and we had fun. A lot. And of it was a great show, and, and I, I've been a fan ever since you know it yeah. was just like yeah, I was me like, too yeah. yeah no i'm a fan of that room i'm a fan yeah, of that yeah band. yeah it is a great room it is a great room another uh you know so they're not all closing now uh, you know we've got the good there's ones. always going to be a place to do your thing yeah. um like i know you guys have the uh the gerard art space that yeah. sounds really cool it is cool yeah it's, it's a, a little concert fun. venue yep. that they do and yeah. it's there for the music and it's not going to bore people to tears because it doesn't take three hours to do it i'm sure yeah, it's and, a, uh, a yeah. two-hour show. We do yeah. two two bands, two sets. Uh, yeah. There's wine and beer, and uh, and there's art on the wall. They always mm-hmm. have a different. They've got different showings every month. So every time we do one of the showcases, there's a different art installation. Cool. Yeah, so it creates a nice kind of a coffee house kind of a vibe. Sure. It's, yeah, it's really nice. Creative. Yeah, I mean it's art, right? Um, in all forms. Let's talk a bit about. Uh, um, so we've got uh, four four full length albums. There's a live album buried in there. There's a couple yep. of odds and ends. Yep. I have a I have a one off <laughs> copy of uh, Tales from the Crypts, which right. is kind of your odds and ends yep. collection. But let's talk about the four albums. So the first album is Temptation Road, yep. and that came out when? <clears throat> that came out in uh, August '97. '97. Okay. We, uh, we had been talking for years uh-huh. about you know let's go record, let's go record, and it just this. Uh, motivation and money suddenly uh, erupted to the point where we went and did it and we had a great guy produce it his name's Mike Lynch he's here in town he's actually um, I'm gonna go meet him later tonight but he uh, lives in Finland Okay. He was a bass player in a band called uh, Brettley and, and the Outsiders. Outsiders. Okay. A great guy. Who were very good. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And Mike, uh, Mike uh, now is a manager. I think he runs a label as well in, in Finland and they okay. do all kinds of stuff in Europe. But he produced our first record. It was great. He got us a good deal at Metalworks. Yeah. He pulled a couple strings for us and got some of the good engineers out there to work uh, on and it. He, he also liked the band. Yeah, he really liked the he band. Really he didn't have to do a whole lot of nope. dickering with the arrangements nope. or anything like that. Right, he just, right. Because the arrangements were pretty in tight. And he got, he got the guys to dial up the right sounds uh-huh. and we and got it just, to tape, which was something yep. you did yeah. back then. It was, yeah. you know, tape. And uh, yeah. it was it was great. I mean, it really introduced the band to a wider audience. And, yeah. Uh, I bought that CD the very first day I saw you guys. Cause did I you was, really? Yeah, because you know what? When I see a band I like, I buy the CD, Good. and and I, I bought it, and then I was like, wow, I got to hear these guys again. Mm-hmm. And then you guys were back the following month, and then you know that's how I kind of started coming out regular to see you guys. You know, got a couple of songs that grabbed me right away. Uh, I ain't going country. Yeah. And you got some airplay with that one. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. that was a single. Yeah. Kevin had that before I met him. That was one of the first songs. One of the older ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had that. That was in his back pocket. Now, was there a song on there that you guys uh, kind of crafted together? Uh, I mean, that you. I, I know that you write all the songs, Kevin. But there's a, you know, there's kind of a. So I ain't going country is one that existed before. I think Gerard there... came up with the intro to Been So Long. That was oh, about it. Okay. Yeah, usually, usually it's pretty simple. Pretty Kevin sure. would come into the room yeah. with the song, and again, we wrestle. We would wrestle it to the ground uh-huh. till we found. And it was usually pretty straightforward. He would go, "I kind of got this idea, and it kind of goes like this." And I would go, "Okay." Usually, right. it was pretty straightforward. A lot of times, the rehearsals were very subtle. There wasn't yeah. much going on, and it would just. And it's funny when it's funny how stuff has, um, or, uh, organically. Yeah. Yep. moved along yep, the way right. mm-hmm. but a lot of the times I remember Temptation Road was another one like I talked about with the riff but it's just it just happened in just rehearsing there's not much more you can think about you it just, just organically well, no, well there, there, it's like it's like the gun gets put to your head and it's like okay we're here to work and yeah. I've always said this to Kevin I said don't we're not rehearsing unless there's some real work going on so then you go I got four or five songs we're going to the studio I go great there's not going to be sitting around drinking beer and talking about the hockey game. We're going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because it's true. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I'm yeah. not going to do that. And so we would get down and we would. And I remember those rehearsals were very intense. And yeah. you would really, 
because we'd go great. We got a bunch of songs. We're going to do this again next week because we're going to be going to the studio because yeah. Kevin was always like this. Okay, this is the game plan for the next month. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So now we got to we got to get the A game on. That's the way I look at it. You yeah, got to yeah. get your A game on yeah. because he has a deadline. So yeah. that's how the songs always got wrestled to the ground. There wasn't ever anything that was written together. I remember <laughs> Wonderful Girl. I had that on yeah. the second one, which we talked about. Kevin said, I love the Double. song, but you got to have a bridge. So I said, write a bridge. That was about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right and that was the second album, Double Production. Double production. That's right. Another yeah. great album. Another yeah. great Some album. good stuff on there, too. Yeah. And then, That uh, was uh, with, that, uh, let me see, that was January of 2000 that came out. Okay. Yeah, we did a, we did a release at The Shoe. Yeah. And uh, there's some great songs on it, but I wasn't really in the mood to push it, or or I really didn't have the, I don't know, was it money? Because it cost money to get stuff. Back then it did anyway. Back then, yeah. Now distribution. Back then it really did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, radio, they had trackers that would go, okay, it's X amount of dollars a month, and we'll promote your song, and you're going to get some airplay, and hopefully that'll, you know, you have to have a kind of a whole game plan, which I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so it it didn't die. We still do a lot of songs from that record. But no, but there was there was a, a basically just a disinterest, I think, within everybody because yeah. after what we had tried to do, because you know what, with Temptation Road, it's like we were lucky enough that the guys at the Horseshoe were behind us, and the whole alt country scene had kind of started to yeah. blossom in its own little world. Yeah, and we were kind of going, well, we don't want to miss this jump on this wave yeah and i had always said well the only real way to make this happen was we'd all have to give up our lives and yeah, that's right. in the van and go yeah. to the states because i know that we would because we got a re- review in no depression mm-hmm. and we were kind of flabbergasted i was flabbergasted yeah me too because we read the magazine yeah because yeah. we followed that scene and then they reviewed it and they gave us a great review yeah, and i'm idea. like going we're gonna die in the vine up here that's what i thought but that we all lived up here and we can't give up our lives yeah you gotta it. be realistic you know i mean what's yeah. making it you know, uh, and I don't even think about those things anymore. But no. yeah. you no. got to be uh, you got to be happy with what's going on on stage, and you got to be happy with the small victories. And yes, you yeah. got to be happy with the the product if you can stand back and like Temptation Road came out twenty years ago, and it's still there's some blistering stuff on it. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's some country on it, and there's yeah. a ballad on it, and there's yep. like a there's, there's even a, there's even a there's a bluegrassy like a thing at the yeah, end with a the mandolin that's one, all yeah. I think it's around a great one mic. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, and when it's it wasn't it never stopped being fun, but it wasn't fun when you're under the gun trying to get a lot of people to come see you, and you got a poster, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got all this other stuff, yeah. and it, it takes away from actually the fun on the stage and the music itself. So we got back to that kind of wanting to do that when we got back uh, on the path in 2002 with uh, with Glenn Kimberly yep. on drums, and then yeah. with Anthony. Yep. Yeah. Amodio on bass, who I knew from, he subbed in um, with me at, in like 1992 at a gig, 1991, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we used him uh, in a pinch at this gig we did in High Park. So we kind of knew who he was. And back pocket. Why don't we just get Anthony to do yep. it? Yeah. yeah. He, he'd love to do it. And he's, a, he's an awesome guy. So yep. uh, yeah. yeah, he came on. And then we... Uh, we rode that out for a, for a long time, and it yeah. was every gig was great because yeah. it was a lot of fun. It put was out a great album there. during that period as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah, put Los Machuchos uh, de Picado. something yes. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's another album that you know, it's got some great songs on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's any shitty songs on it, but no. um, there's a <clears> lot of songs on there. Not a lot of songs. There's a few songs on there that have been revisited live where you listen back to the studio like standing in the rain Mm -hmm. is a classic example of a great rock song that kind of went through a fermentation with the recording Mm -hmm. and then on the other side because you're playing it over and over again it's so funny we'd turn around and kevin would go it's almost like it's almost like you keep reinventing it's almost like dylan you're just reinventing the song not in a drastic way like he would but we would add something to it and all of a sudden it's taking a whole different turn and then mm-hmm. there was a new ending we added and yeah. people go, oh, you guys are like so tight. Like you must rehearse all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, this is the only time we play. But when we're on stage, we're always thinking, well, if we can make it better, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Who's, who's saying yeah. no except us? Well, and you play with the right guys, you know, you you know you have the freedom. Well, you're you... hoping everybody's going to join in, right? Yeah. So that's not easy either. And especially, uh, not Glenn, but Skeets was a perfect example because Glenn left the band and 
and uh, because he just wasn't happy anymore, which is fine. And then um, we got Bob back in the band. It didn't really work out, which was kind of sad because he played on the first album. He was phenomenal on that. And then Skeets came in. And all of a sudden, it all was almost like a rebirth because we did the last CD. And it sound, some of it sounds amazing. So easy. Great songs again, though. Well, yeah. you know what I noticed about Skeets when he came on board? Because I love the guy. And he's, he's an awesome, uh, awesome rock and roller. He was listening because he, 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 was, he had heard the songs. He hadn't played them with us, but he heard them all. And he knew every cover song in the book, which we do a, a few of. But he was listening yeah. to where the song's going. Mm-hmm. And you're engaged. And when you're engaged, you're in the band. Yes. Right. You know, when you're sitting like this. You're not engaged. You're not engaged, right? right and right. and it, yeah, now, well, I mean, I, I'm, he knows all the stuff like that. Well, he was, he was also it? engaged because... He loved. He always loved the band, and I had been playing with Skeets with right. another band for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And Kevin was the one who came up with it. I didn't come up with it at all. Yeah, yeah. That was Kevin's idea because yeah. I was always worried about worlds colliding, like George <laughs> Costanza. That's yeah. what I was worried about. I was yeah. worried about worlds colliding. Yeah. I go, okay, now I'm taking a guy who's a lead singer, and I told him straight up, I go, because unfortunately this is the way I go with when I believe in something. I go, you're not singing in this band. He goes, that's fine. I just want to be the drummer. I was like, okay. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Because Kevin said, I'm, he's going to play with us. And I said, okay, he's not going to sing. And he goes, I don't want to sing. <laughs> well, I had to. Yeah. Well, because that's your, you know, that's your role. And that's well, it's the, not even a role. It's just I, I was very adamant of certain times, and I told Kevin this too, that, again, it's like you have to take stuff out. Mm-hmm. You're always taking stuff out. You're always taking stuff out because you just want to leave the good stuff in. That's what I've always thought with yeah. the great ones. They just leave the good stuff in. It's not easy to get to and... We're not, we do what we do as best as we possibly can. And I always found, especially with harmony vocals, it's like, if you don't know what you're doing, don't sing. And it's nothing against anybody else, but we're not the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So don't even go there. So I remember we had Glenn used to sing and Ronnie used to sing. And it just, it's just, you can't have four guys singing and then four guys playing. It's like, just keep it simple. Yeah, you know, strip it down, strip it down. Yeah, you know, riffs. You know what I mean? We yeah. talked about this many a time. Yeah, it's very hard to do. We've we've sat with songs and thought that they would never work, and then, you know, again, wrestled it to the ground, and then all of a sudden it comes out, and then you get a flower, and that's <laughs> why when we play, sometimes it's good that guys don't know. Neil Young is a perfect example. You know, guys don't know what he's doing, and he just records, and they're good players, and hopefully they'll 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 keep up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of I've seen that with Kevin sometimes too. It's just like you got to watch. Yeah, yeah. Got to be engaged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's that's a band to me. I mean, although you know, getting back to it comes back to the song. When I go to uh, to Nova Scotia, uh, <clears throat> that's where I grew up, and my wife grew up there. I always run into some of her relatives. She's got a very musical family, and a lot of them are quite a bit older, and they all know one or two songs on the guitar. And they can really bring the house down just on that one guitar because it's such a good song. Right. Not original song, but yeah, old yeah. bluegrass song you've never heard before. Right. And I'm, there's one woman I'm thinking of, Delima. She's got to be 80-something. But she'll get the guitar out and she'll sing these songs I've never heard before. And it's really, really awesome. And that gets back to the point of when you have that song, you can add to it if you need to or take away if you don't need to. Or, or make it, uh, if you get four guys engaged... It's going to work. If you get 10 guys on stage that are all listening and working and doing their thing, it's going to work. But you can always take away. And it it can always, a good song, I think, can always come back to that one person with their instrument, piano, guitar, whatever. Playing it, getting it across to people, you know. Especially if there's lyrics. If there's lyrics, you know, there's such a thing as songs without instruments. Yeah. You know, because it is about the lyric and the melody. Yeah. It's a song that's telling a story. Then you got to be able to hear that. And everything yeah. else is there to augment it, put yeah. it. Yeah, augmented. Good word. Put a little, uh, yeah. put yeah. a container around it and say, this is all stuff yeah. that makes sense with this emotion or whatever it is. Right, right. But it's, but you know, it's also fun to throw uh, cliche uh, stuff at, at songs, twist them up a little bit, turn them mm-hmm. around a little bit, like what the Stray Cats did. We were talking about this the other day. I mean, they didn't play straight rockabilly. Because <clears throat> okay. if you listen to straight rockabilly from the 50s, it, 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 some of it's wild. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't ever as wild as as those guys got. Right. They, they, they I, I always like to say they did their take on it. Yeah, but they did, they did it, it very well. Yeah, 
they did it very like successfully well yeah because they couldn't even do it in the states they had to go to england and they all of a sudden they started playing there and people just just got it yeah Yeah. you know and that's that's not an easy thing that's not an easy thing and i really like that when you can do that we can say well this song sounds like a tom petty song all right let's put a jangly guitar you know, because that's what he do. But we'll do our our thing with it, right? Right, right. And yeah, it's important not to limit yourself. You know, Kevin, Kevin's a genius at writing bluegrass songs, but he doesn't like writing bluegrass songs because <laughs> they come too easy to him. And I used to always say, "Man, you write you you could write ten bluegrass songs in an hour." He goes, "Yeah, whatever, Gerard. I got these other rock songs I want to write." Because I was always like flabbergasted. It's like we do like like Little Susie or there would be Cyril's yeah, Wine, which yeah. he won't even play. And friends of mine think that's the best song that we do. And then they come out and see us. They go, are you going to play Cyril's Wine? And I go, Kevin, are you going to play Cyril's Wine? He goes, we'll do it. Okay, next I gig we'll played, do it. He goes, I haven't played it in 12 years. And then he walks up, <laughs> I'll learn it. Cyril's a, Cyril's a great buddy of mine. Yeah, I love He's Cyril. a great music fan. and He'll get you tighter than a sweater. <laughs> yeah, we went, uh, my wife and I, Vienna, went to his, uh, we go up to their place frequently and he had just made this wine. And uh, he called it Chateau Bozo, uh, B E A U X. Nice. E A Happy Water or Beautiful Water. E A U. Yeah, Bozo. But it really it was Bozo, right? So I made him this. He's a very easy guy to caricature. So I made a caricature of him with the clown nose on on his nose, and that became his wine label that he made. Nice. He printed the labels up, and so I said, "Well, now you know we we need a song." Cyril's wine. So yeah, you know what? I got to get back to that. And he, I know he really wants to hear us play it. Yeah. But uh, we got to. We'll work on. It. I'll probably. You know. I'll maybe. I'll, I'll play mandolin on it. You, you see them. You see him at the back of the room every time with a big smile, and then at yeah. the end of the show when you don't play it, he's crestfallen. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I, uh, we'll we'll do it. He's first, smiling we'll in anticipation. First, I hope you're Today's the so. day. Today's yeah. the day. No, no. You know what? We'll do it the next, the the next few gigs. I, I think. I don't think we've. I think we've just played it once. Yeah, maybe. And I've I don't heard know you guys if we. A couple of times. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard it a couple of times. Really? Yeah. With Cyril in the room. Don't lie to me. I wouldn't lie. Uh, and then yeah, with Skeets joined, and then we did the last CD with Vic, and Vic was amazing. And uh, again. Yeah, we're lucky. We we we're lucky. We worked with some good people, and this guy, he's a friend of ours. He's been hanging around with us for yeah. years. Vic Champini. He just uh-huh. uh, he got the home recording bug, and it's way more than that right now. It's not just a guy with his, you know. He's got some nice gear. He's got some really great uh, outboard stuff, mics and, and ideas. And he's got, he knows how to use his gear like a lot of guys do. I know a lot of people are running their own little studios and it's really awesome. because. But he uh, loves the band and he's a fan. But so he did a great he, job. He, he I thought he did job. a really great job right. of, 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 of uh, you know recording and producing our, our last CD, yeah. which I can stand back and say, well, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. yeah. It's got some good songs on there. Yeah. It, it holds together. It sounds good. And it's, it's a good... Uh, picture of how where we are in 2017 very good well hey the sin city boys 25 years four albums rock and roll there's there's stuff coming up in the future i am moving but yeah i'm not moving to venus oh. you know i'm moving two hours away and i'm gonna uh be yeah. uh, sticking my foot in the water here three or four times a year i'm sure so. yeah so there'll be some uh, some shows coming up i'm yeah. sure we'll we'll get to do an east side <laughs> showcase with you Absolutely. guys Wouldn't it be the, awesome? show, the shows will never end unless he decides to never come back that's, that's right that's, that's, that's the right. way it's gonna yeah. or i'll take these guys down to halifax we just bought a house in halifax it's perfectly adequate for a bunch of people to to to, to visit nice you know there's four bedrooms and Perfect. A, I have my garage, which is going to be, you know, it's going to have one of those signs, no girls allowed. And it's just going to be my stuff. A little rascals. My guitars, my computers, <laughs> my crazy pictures of... of uh, Don Rickles. Don Rickles. Is this, this going to be like the, like the Nova Scotia version of the, the He-Man Women Haters Club? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Al Bundy? Was that Al Bundy? No, that, was, that was Little Rascals. That was Little Rascals. Little Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> little Rascals. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's Women right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our gang. Well, I don't Our know. Gang, I mean, yes. you know, yeah. no, it's, it's going to be my little clubhouse. and uh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I'd like to, you know, I'm going to do some music down there, of course, because music mm-hmm. is, is important to me. Yeah. But I'm not going to do a rock band down there. i got a rock band here. Yeah, exactly, and and, and uh, uh, yeah, I'll do something different. Maybe I'll maybe yeah. I'll get those bluegrass songs and dust them off. I don't know. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Bluegrass <clears throat> album in the works. Sure. Who maybe. knows? Yeah. Who knows? 
Right on. Well, hey, listen, thanks so much, guys. Uh, once again, the Sin City Boys, the newest members of the Eastside Confectionery Records family. We're thrilled to have you yeah, aboard. We're really thrilled to, Eric. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a hoot. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. It will be. So we'll like be we sure. always do, we're going to uh, close things off uh, with a song. So guys, which song do you think you want to play for us today? Well, we're going to do something from the new album. It's called Your Hometown, and we've had this song kicking around for a long time. Okay. And we never really could get a, an arrangement together for it. Mm-hmm. Until I, I always uh, thought you just didn't like it. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> well, you sometimes just have it to takes put a while. on the shelf yeah. and you got to revisit it. Yeah. I know what I used to, every, every two years, you I'd say, I'd say, this is a great song. Yeah, it's a I, great have, song. I had the, it's a great song. I don't know what it was. I think maybe you might, didn't like the words. Maybe. I, like well, I didn't have, or... I didn't have the full uh, three verses written. I know that. Oh, okay. Right. So, you know, I didn't yeah, know you that. can only mumble so, for so long. They go, you don't have lyrics for that. Perfect. Well, here we are. We're going to hear, uh, Sin City Boys, uh, Gerard and Kevin are going to be your hometown. Well, I heard you sneaking around again. I'll get on back to your hometown. Well, I heard you making that sound again. Oh. Well, I already know what you're gonna say You already know what I'm gonna say Back to you Get on back to your hometown Well, the saddle that you lay on Ain't never gonna be a home Don't cry cause it's all over Tell me that you'll get on home Cause I already know what you're gonna say You already know what I'm gonna say Back to you Get on back to your hometown Confectionary Records Podcast is produced by Eric Brombacher in Toronto, Canada. Be sure to look for Eastside Confectionary Records on Facebook and SoundCloud to learn more about our artists and future events. You can also find our artists Jerry Legere, spelled L-E-G-E-R, Craig Robertson, Eric and the Sioux, E-R-I-C-N-D-S-O-O, Andrew James Barker, and Jason Kennedy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keep on keeping on.